Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. I am super excited to be here with you today with one of my dearest friends, Jen Tregarthen. She is an advisor at Lockton Companies. They do all things employee benefits, risk management, essentially helping businesses grow. So that's one aspect of her life, but she's she's got an interesting journey, just like all of us do. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how do you redefine failure? Because it happens to all of us, right? And, and what does that mean? And also, how do you empower yourself and collaborate with other people? So we got all sorts of topics. So you buckle up, everybody, because we're going to we're going to talk about some good stuff here today. So thank you for being here, Jen. Hey, I am excited to be here, Jamie. When you and I come together, I think magic happens. So I cannot wait for this podcast. And the true thing about, we get feedback about the podcast that people feel like, well, I just feel like I'm sitting at coffee with you and your guests. Like it just feels very, yeah, you truly will feel like you're sitting at coffee with Jen and I, because neither one of us have a filter. Um, and both of us are just willing to talk about anything that we ask each other. So I think this is just going to be a fun ride that I'm looking forward to. So I want you to just start with telling everybody a little bit about your journey, right? What's gotten you to this point in your success? What's that journey been like? I, I love that you prepared me, number one, for this and, and added some questions that I could think through. And it's the first time in a while I've really thought through my journey. And I'll tell you, I've been lucky. I have only ever been, I've, I've only ever taken on jobs that people have thought I'd be a good fit for. And I tried to think about that, like, why did that happen? And, and what prompted people to think about me? And at the end of the day, I think it was because I spend my life trying to do more good for other people than for myself, meaning I'm curious about them. I, I'm interested in knowing what makes people tick, why they make the decisions that they do. What are their goals? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What are their fears? And are there any ways that the people I know, the tools I have, the resources within my power can help them get to the next level or hit those milestones in life? And I think when you live that way, whether it's intentional or not, people tend to want to uh, see you in a with with your purpose. And so I started off actually, and with no intention at all, I joined the military on a whim, and I became a behavioral health counselor. That means that I did crisis management, stress management, uh, a lot of debriefings for soldiers, sometimes alcohol and drug dependency or family matters. And then after four years of the military, I met my husband got married, we settled back into my hometown, Oklahoma, went to the University of Oklahoma and got a communications degree. Moved into tourism. I got recruited to work into tourism and loved it. That's such a happy place to be when you're talking about all of the positive aspects of something. And I spent about five years there, got recruited to join the University of Oklahoma and the State's Natural History Museum to, on a more scientific level. And that was more about where people come from, how we are, what, what defines us, who we are as a, as a, as a human you know, group. And I loved all of it. And then I started to feel complacent. I needed more in my life and I didn't know where that, that was going to come from. And just at the right opportunity, I was introduced to Lockton and asked if I'd be considered joining it. And I loved the idea of 
moving from nonprofit and higher education to a private sector where there was less red tape, less, no committees or subcommittees, and just the ability to move from point A to point B without any hassle and to just create solutions for people. So that's where I've been for six years. I love it. I say I'm in the people business. Right. And it's, you know, it's fascinating to hear people's stories and to almost feel like even though they're so different, your aspects of your background, it's like puzzle pieces that clicked together for a reason, right? Even the behavioral health, like, I mean, think about the work you do with HR leaders and, right, and you need that in order to kind of be able to understand the human psyche, right, and, and how to help people through issues. Absolutely. And it's surprising how many psychologists actually are in mm-hmm. um, sales or in insurance and, and especially at Lockton, there's several of them. And it really is. It's about understanding how people make decisions. So just for the listeners, uh, Jen is probably also one of the most humble people you will ever meet. So the things she just kind of forgot to include were the fact that she's a Purple Heart recipient, seven commendation medals or whatever they, I mean, like, I don't even know. There's a whole list. She was just a notable military veteran winner in the Twin Cities business, like because of all the work she does to support veterans and causes that are close to her heart. So sorry, you just kind of left out all of the like, kind of other big things that that you do. Um, But just that tells tells a lot about you as a leader, just in general, um, and how you chose to tell your story. So I appreciate that. As you look back on, you know, your past, that has been very diverse across, you know, nonprofit and private and like all of this is what's a leadership moment? Is there a moment where you're like, that thing happened, that leader did that thing, and it really stuck with you and shaped who you are today? Oh, yeah. And it actually was before my adult career even started. And you may not even know this about me, but I got here through a lot of hardship. When I was uh, 16, I lost my sister. She was 18 at the time Um, and she passed away. And it took me two years of really neglecting my future, my family to work through that grief. And I can tell you, those were some of the darkest times in my life. I don't know the exact moment when I really began to emerge from that grief, but as I did, I had this whole new renewed sense of purpose and drive to be stronger and more resilient and to make sure that I never let an obstacle get in the way of my future and of the goals that I want to have in life. And so, you know, that was more than 20 years ago. And when I look back at the past 20 some years, I do recognize big and little setbacks, traumatic events, moments of scarcity, times when I was very fearful. And I look at how I dealt with them. And what I realized is that they didn't cripple me. Did I need to spend a little time talking with my peers, my closest people, my husband, some of my closest friends about them to really talk through what I was going to do next and how I felt? Yes. And I think a lot of people do. And to be honest, it's incredibly important for you to talk through those moments with somebody or even write them down. You've got to think through it. Um, But it, made me work harder, made me dig deeper. And I've become a person who really, I think, I hope, asks for guidance to help me understand how I become a, can become a better version of myself. So this is an interesting concept that you're bringing up that I, I've thought about a lot, I talk to leaders about, is this idea of, when I look back at the, the people I have on this podcast, the people I respect the most that are successful, right? I use that term loosely because that means something different to everybody, but have achieved a level of success I would say 
nearly 100% of them have had really rough patches in their journey. Like really rough. And not that if you don't have rough patches, you can't be successful, but like the most successful, meaning in all aspects of their life, not just money, not just right, is they've been through something. And it's almost like you build a different muscle. You said emerge. And I love that idea when you emerged from, from that grief you had, you had to build different muscles, right? There, you had to do something to be able to move yourself forward. Do you see that in leaders that you work with as well? Yes. And if you think about it, I'm such a practical, logical person really in my head, but if you think about setbacks and you all, I hate the phrase, it doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. But in this moment, that makes so much sense. You're going to have setbacks, but those really big setbacks, it means that you took a risk sometimes, or it means that just something might've happened to you, but you have these massive setbacks and they don't kill you and you have to move forward and you have to grow from them, but not everybody does that the same way. And so I think that there must be some tools that either you're born with, you naturally cultivate that helps some people get through that grief a little bit different. If you're going through a setback or if you've gone through a major setback and you're thinking to yourself, I haven't gotten through this the right way. My suggestion would be bring some people to the table to help you unpack that and figure out how you can get through it. It doesn't matter if it happened 10 years ago. It doesn't matter if it happened yesterday. You can still unpack it and still work your way through it. Right. It's, it's the, the power of, well, first off, you've you've gotten through anything you've dealt with up to this point in your life, right? So you've proven to yourself, you can figure it out. It doesn't mean it makes it suck any less. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, right? When you're in the moment. But I love that idea of bringing people together because oftentimes, and I have this issue too, I feel like I have to solve it. Like I got to go and just figure it out. And the vulnerability of saying, I need you in full transparency, this will tell you how Jen is as well and, and how I operate. It's exactly, we practice what we're preaching here. It's a week ago, we were supposed to record this podcast and we got on the call and I was dealing with some crap. I was dealing with something. I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. And I what hadn't been sleeping and business-wise. And Jen was like, let's do this. And we spent a full hour of her I'm literally advising it. me, right? And just <laughs> helping me think different. And we pushed the podcast off. She just said, this isn't the most important thing right now right? We're not, we won't be in the right mental mindset to have this really important conversation, but it took me just being able to say, I need help Yeah, right, for that to happen. And it takes both of us really It's saying, right. you know what, let's put aside some of the things that we think are important right now and really like be present. Yeah. We were at uh we had our culture cohort event last night. And one of the audience questions at the end with these amazing leaders that were on the panel they were talking about kind of how helping teams, right, culture get through what we got through the last few years and, and kind of how do we go forward. And and they asked what some of the tips and tools that these leaders used during the chaos, right, in the really, really hard times. And they had shared that. And, and somebody asked the question, they said, what did you do for each other? Because, you know, we're always focused on everyone else around us, our families, our communities, our employees. And it was a great and beautiful question from the audience to say, what did you do for each other as leaders? Like, how did you guys support each other? Think about it. It's so profound to me. I'm in the back of the room like, uh, that's a question we need to be asking everybody because we forget we're taking care of everyone else instead of taking care of each other at the leadership level. And that is such a fascinating approach. And I love that the person in the audience asked that because 
I was in a group with some CHROs yesterday and it emerged that, and I really truly believe that this is going to be on the horizon. Our executive leaders, our executive and, and management level leadership are really suffering from the past three years of uncertainty. And I think we're going to see some transitions if we're not already seeing them at that level. And to your point, how are we helping support those people at the top that are having to make tough decisions every day and amid the unknown? We don't know if we're going into a recession. We don't know if we're going to have to lay people off. We don't know if we're going to be growing. And so how do we make those decisions in crisis to your point? And then how are we supporting one another? That's such a great question. Yeah. I thought it was, it was really profound, but yet simple, which I love questions that are like that. So when you, if you had to define who you are as a leader, like how would you describe that? What are your leadership strengths? What are the superpowers that truly make you a good leader? Oh, collaboration. Collaboration's 100% my superpower. I'm a champion of people, whether it's my associates, my network, my clients, I want them to succeed. I want them to shine. My superpower is in having clarity around people's potential and bringing knowledge, people, tools, resources to help them achieve those milestones. I think I mentioned that earlier and I just, you'll probably see that theme throughout. It's just, I believe high tides raise all shit. And if I can be a part of that, if I can build my community up, if I can build my people up, then I think we'll all do better. Through everything you've said so far, the word that just keeps coming, this theme, underlying theme in my mind is abundance minded. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a way I would describe you best is you see that there's enough opportunity. You see that there's enough of everything for everyone. And you just want to help people achieve that. And you know, deep in your heart that if you do those things, you'll have abundance as well. Like you just, you are probably one of the most abundant mindset people that I know. Where does that come from? I suppose it comes from what my values or my priorities are. I'm, I always say I'm not financially driven. And when you're in a sales role, being not financially driven is probably pretty rare. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not so rare anymore. I've never been. And I wouldn't even call myself a salesperson. If I'm a salesperson, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it. My goal, my goal has always been in life to make my community better. And if my job, if I can align my, I, I think it's just, you have to have your eye on your why all the time. My why is make my family, make my community and make my people better. It is super easy to do that in my job and to keep that line of sight because it's really, truly who I am. Clients, prospects, business partners in the community, you, my family, that's always going to be my why. So it's easy to be abundant when that's just naturally what you really want to do in life. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, but it's, it's an, it's a level of enlightenment and it brings me to a conversation um, and, and with a leader that they want to move into sales because sales is where they can make more money, right? That, that that's, it, which is true, right? Sales typically tends to be the place that there's not as much of a ceiling and you can kind of do more, but I know they don't want to do sales, right? They truly in their heart, that's, that's not what they want to do. And my fear for them is their ego, right? Which is a real, I mean, the ego of the money or whatever they want to have, whatever it is. And to me, my fear for them is that they don't have what you're talking about is the sense of why and purpose that sales isn't going to solve that for them. The money isn't going no. to solve that for them. You nailed it. 
nothing will ever solve for them because they they don't know what they're looking for because they, they they're not centered on their why. It took me a very long time to figure I out. Totally agree. To, to probably define my why. I yeah. always knew what I wanted to do in life and why I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how to define the why. I actually had to have help. Right. <laughs> I've gone to several workshops on how to define the why. So for anybody listening, if you're probably in the same boat, like what is my why? Don't worry, you're not alone. I was there five years ago when everybody was talking about their whys. And I thought, I don't know what my why is. What do I want? And do I want new shoes? Do I want, you know, like, no, (laughs) that's not really what it is. It's what gets you up in the morning. Why do you get up? What drives you? What motivates you? Where do you, where do you end up spending a ton of your energy? And when you look up, you, you've spent seven hours doing something and didn't even realize it. It felt like it was just two minutes, right? Right. Those are your passions. And why do you do that? That. It, it, you need help unpacking that sometimes and that's okay. But you're right to your point. I believe that if you're not centered on your why, you're going to continue to do a lot of things that don't bring you joy and don't fill your buckets. And it might take a while for those people to figure that out. And how can we close that gap? How can we make that sooner for them? And what kind of conversations need to be at the table? And are they in a vulnerable place where they're open and their ego is set aside? Right. Um, sometimes you can't control that part of it. And you have, it's discovered. And I even think with your why, once you start the way I would, uh, for me, I similar journey to you, right? It took a long time, but I was already living it. It just was, I started to recognize the different pieces and the things I was being drawn to that I was already doing so that you could put some words to it. Simon Sinek, who's the father of the why movement. um, He was on a podcast I listened to. It was a while back. And he said, he gets the question all the time. Like, I don't think I have a why. And he's like, everyone has a why. The littlest kids, right? The adolescents, everybody has a why already in them. It's the discovering of it. You just haven't put words to it yet. So I say that to leaders to just like, don't worry about it right now. If you don't know exactly how to describe your why, like Jen can, it's there regardless. Just go on a journey of discovery, right? What feels good? Like what you're saying, what doesn't, right? Who do you want to be around? Who do you not? Doesn't mean they're not nice people, right? But truly start to pay attention. 100%. And I'll tell you, this journey and a lot of my leadership growth has come from my evolution at Lockton. I've never had to be more vulnerable, um, more open to failure, more open to setbacks in my life. But, you know, I had to start from scratch when I when I came to Lockton, and I had to struggle to figure out how do I transfer 30 something years of life experience and knowledge into the world of insurance. And I was equating all of my stumbles along the path to failures because my expectations didn't meet my realities. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me for the first year. Uh, Luckily I have a coach Pam who helped me. And she said, Jen, you have unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. in life. And to be truthful, everybody in my life has always told me that I set really unrealistic expectations about myself, but she said, you have to redefine what failure means to you. And it was that moment where I had, it clicked into place and I thought, oh my gosh, it's starting to make sense. Tell me more. And we started to just talk about failure. Why do we think something is a failure? Do we really think it's a failure? What is it really? If you were just to look at it under a microscope, what was that setback and what does that mean? And Jamie, to your point, it was putting my ego aside mm-hmm. to say, okay, let's talk about how Jen didn't show up just then and what I need to do different to evolve so that that doesn't happen. Um, it's not just about what you know. 
It's about cultivating relationships, believing in your purpose and continually staying perfect, staying curious. Well, and I think it's what you're saying is right. Redefining that failure. There's a, there's a great quote. And I think about it almost every day and I'm not going to get exactly right. I don't even know who said it, Um, but something about, right. We look at the obstacles in our path as obstacles. What if they're just part of the journey? Oh, I heard you say that the other day and you gave me goosebumps. It's, it's so true. So profound. It's like, I look at it as like, why is that thing in my way? And so what I've gotten better at, I'm not perfect. I still have my days as Jen knows. Um, but I look at it and go, what might that be preparing me for? What muscle is that obstacle saying I need to have in order to achieve the next level, right? To get to that next part of the mountain that I'm trying to climb. And when you reframe that to say, this is here for me, instead of it's happening to me, mm-hmm. that's what that does in the, you know, in the, in your psyche, right. And how it you takes look the at fear it. away and it adds curiosity. Yeah. And there's a great Stephen King. I'm, I'm not really the quote master, but I, I do love quotes. And for some reason, some of them stick with me, but Stephen King is, you know, um, optimism is a realistic response to failure. Or something like that. And he's essentially saying that you stumble and you fall. Optimism is a is a totally fair approach to the very next moment. You can be optimistic Ooh. right after you fail. I probably massacred it. So somebody Google it. I'm sure I got it wrong. But it's like, I just, I like that idea of like, just because it happens doesn't mean we need to stay there. It doesn't need to define who we are. It doesn't mean we're a horrible person, right? It, we can be optimistic the very next moment. You know, this is going to sound super cheesy, but some of my favorite, I'm a visual person and um, I have a three minute clip when I'm working out that Mm -hmm. if I have to push myself really hard in my workout and I'm 37 minutes into it and I have to hit that hour and I just need some juice, Mm -hmm. I listen to it. And I won't share it here because some of the language isn't appropriate, but it's all about get back up. Don't quit. Don't stop. It's not worth it. Yeah, I've sent it to you. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I listen to it religiously because we always need a reminder to get back up. We need that purpose. We need to say, this is fit for you. You've got more, you've got more in the tank. Keep going. Right. Okay. Will you make sure I get that link and we'll put it in the podcast notes so that people will we really i love it okay but thank you for the just if you have your kids in the car while you're listening and you want to click on that just know you might you might need to listen to that in private it's for grown <laughs> folks for adults. <laughs> but it is really motivating i love that what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now business personally like like what it, how are you tackling it but what's that what's the mountain you you need you're climbing right now businesses are evolving the ripple effect of navigating all these uncertain waters for the past few years. I see that as being something that we as advisors are going to, or should already be tackling with our clients, with our community partners. And specifically, I think it's around how our business is changing the way they're leading, the way that they're supporting their clients, the way they're managing the health of their teams and their cultures of the company and their own personal well-being. You mentioned in the beginning of this, how are we taking care of each other? This is a big topic, and um, I, I believe that that's the biggest challenge that we're working on helping our clients through. And, you know, it's funny. I love the way Lockton has evolved, especially from their people solutions. We evolved from employee benefits to people solutions recently because mm-hmm. for this point exactly, it's not just about employee benefits. It's not just about total rewards. It's right. about your culture. It's about diversity and equity. 
It's about a sense of belonging. It's about wellness, whether it's financial or physical or emotional. It's about your holistic approach to your people. And I I really think that that's going to be the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity over the next few years. Totally. Yeah. What, what, given everything we've talked about, right, this has been a great conversation for, for leaders that are listening. What's the most important message that you would leave with them or the thing you want them to think about or do? I think the biggest takeaway I've had in preparing for this conversation was personal homework to dial in my vision for my personal journey so that I can present, you know, and be authentic when I'm helping to build my clients up and, the, and my team members. So my advice or my one thing that I would share with others is work on yourself intentionally, work on yourself regularly to make sure that you stay on track. And if you need to make adjustments, make them so that you align with your purpose again, as you go through life and also be prepared to pivot. Life is fluid. There are going to be, to your point, obstacles that are going to help you define the next you know, evolution of who you are and be ready for those and just be open to it. Right. I love it. I love it. Okay. So before I let you go, we have to do kind of do the bonus round, right? So the kind of the fun question. Oh, I've been listening to all of your bonus rounds. I've been trying to prepare. Okay. I don't know what you're going to ask. What does ridiculously human mean to you? What does being ridiculously human mean? I think being ridiculously human is about being your most authentic self. I think it's about not thinking about what the next words that come out of your mouth are going to be. I think it's about laughing out loud and sounding silly. I think it's about being vulnerable, um, sharing tears with somebody. I think being ridiculously human is when you have no ego at the table and no purpose or intent. You're just there. That's that's the world I want to live in where people can do just be that more. And me too. And that's why we surround ourselves with people like that. Uh, you know, we got to create our advisory council of ourselves. Okay. This one you might need to think about. If you could have a billboard that everyone's going to see, right? What would you put on it? Would you put a quote? Would you put it like, what would you, what message would you want to fill everybody up with? Live inspired. It's been my, I love quotes. I have a little dinosaur clipper on my desk. And I have different quotes I circulate through every day. I put a new quote in there. And about six months ago, that one popped up, live inspired. And I haven't removed it from my dinosaur yet. So live inspired, live passionately. You don't need an alarm clock in the morning. If you live inspired, you wake up every day, excited, excited to do something, to make a change, to be, to be a better version of yourself. I don't know. That might sound silly, but that's mine. I love it. What makes you laugh? Oh, <laughs> um, what makes me really laugh mm-hmm. is videos of men getting scared to death and screaming like, you know, really high pitch. Really? I know that that sounds the most silly, but I will sit on Instagram and watch videos of people getting scared. <laughs> It's the devious part of you. Like, I love that. <laughs> it is. We, uh, that's our dark humor at our house. We love to scare one another. Um, and so it's just, you know, every once in a while, we'll, we'll find a way to just pop out and scare one another. And uh, I just love it. It cracks me up. 
it's okay. So social media, you could feel how you feel. It's got its downfalls. My daughter and I are constantly texting Instagram reels of like <laughs> dogs where they've like, they're speaking over the dog or the dog's doing something silly. And we're like peeing our pants laughing. Right. But it's yes. like, sometimes you just need that release. Everyone needs a belly laugh. Oh my gosh. Totally. That's my, that's my end of the day release. I'll sit there. My, my husband and I will sit and watch those and just laugh. Yeah. And we la- laugh to the point of tears. That's such a great value to it. I mean, I don't always love social media, but uh, gosh, people aren't going to want to talk to me after this. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she's going to try to scare me or something. But, but it is, it's my guilty pleasure. I love to I, watch people get scared. That's totally fair. And I learned some, I didn't know that about you. So I will watch <laughs> back now when I'm near you that I'm not getting videoed and you're not creating something for Instagram. Um, Thank you for being here and for being you and just being open to just sharing everything. Anytime. And I'm always open to sharing any ideas that might help other people. And I don't know if this was helpful to other people, but it was so helpful to me. I love collaborating with you, Jamie. You bring something to the table that I don't get elsewhere and it just fills my bucket. I appreciate it. You have been with me through my entire leadership journey and I attribute a lot of my success to just you being you and sharing your thought leadership with me. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that um, very much. And I feel the exact same way. And to the listeners, right? Hopefully listening, you can feel that even though it's a podcast is this is what all leaders need is they need their circle of people that they can call that will drop everything and say, let's talk about this and let me help you through it Um, for your own mental health for your own happiness. Like this is what really, really matters. Yes. Money's important. We need it to live. Yes. Um, it's important to have things right. That you like, and be able to do things that you want to do. But when it really comes down to it, it's about the human connection that makes your life fulfilling. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being in my life and I appreciate you sharing this, um, with everybody who's going to listen to this podcast. So thanks again, my love. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.